Hey, my name is Brianna, and you're listening to the FCC Grayson Podcast. God is doing some incredible things here at First Church. To learn more about FCC and maybe plan your visit, head on over to FCCGrayson.com. We hope today's message gives you hope, inspires, and encourages you in your walk with God. Let's dive into today's message. Um, so, uh, I just want to wish everyone a happy 4th of July. Um, uh, this is my first one here in Grayson. Uh, we managed to get out on the lake yesterday with a few kayaks and paddle boards, and we took our dog for the first time onto the water, and he had a little life jacket with a shark fin on it. It was very cool. Um, but we, uh, we had a great time out with some friends, and I hope you guys get to have an enjoyable day today as well. Um, I've been enjoying all of the Facebook posts, the 4th of July-centered Facebook posts, the, the inspiring ones, the, uh, the funny ones. I think a favorite of mine definitely has to be from uh, Jerry Hall. I don't know if you guys saw it, but it, uh, it said, please keep your dogs and children quiet in the mornings. Some of us have been up all night setting off fireworks. Thanks. That was just... One of my favorites, one of my absolute favorites. Um, so this morning we're actually going to be continuing a series and a study in, in the book of Psalms that we begun last summer. Um, it was kind of where I uh, entered in when I first started here. Oh, and pointer, I'll probably say Psalms, not Psalms. Uh, just if, if, I, if I say Psalm, don't panic. I'm, I'm talk, talking about the book, not the person. Um, so uh, in the book of Psalms, uh, we, last, last summer we went through uh, a handful of, of chapters. And it was a really exciting study that we did, and I know a lot of people really enjoyed it. And this summer, um, Ben and I decided to, we thought it was a good idea to dive back into this book. There's loads left that we didn't get to cover last year. Um, so we're gonna be going through uh, a number of them again over the next couple of months. Um, so this morning, and we're gonna be looking at Psalm chapter three, and we're gonna be looking at the entire chapter. It's quite a short one, only eight verses. But Psalm chapter three, um, and this, this, this psalm is, is the first psalm that we have that actually comes with a title above it. Now, one of the interesting things about the Bible, most of the time when you're reading passages that might have a little heading above it, um, most of the time those are added afterwards, right? Those are recent things that we've added just to give a bit of context as to what's going on. But in the psalms, um, those are actually there, like in the Bible. Usually if it's a song or if it's, if it's a prayer or something like that, those are original texts. Um, and uh, Psalm chapter 3 is the first thing that we have that, that gives us a title, and so we know that the psalm is a response, uh, a response prayer written by David when he's in a pretty tough spot. Um, so Psalm chapter 3, verses 1 through 8, um, says this, Lord, how many are my foes? How many rise up against me? How many, or many are saying to me, God will not deliver him. But you, Lord, are a shield around me, my glory, the one who lifts my head high, I call out to the Lord, and he answers me from his holy mountain. I lie down and sleep. I wake again, because the Lord sustains me. I will not fear, though tens of thousands assail me on every side. Arise, Lord, deliver me. My God, strike all my enemies on the jaw. Break the teeth of the wicked. From the Lord, uh, from the Lord comes deliverance. May your blessing be on your people. Will you pray with me? Uh, Father, thank you for this passage. Uh, Lord, speak through me and guide me uh, as, we, as we study your word, Lord, and, and I, I pray that each of us have ears to hear um, your word and that you teach all of us something new about you today. In your name we pray. Amen. 
So for this first little section, I actually have a set of notes here from, from Ben whenever he was studying through this passage uh, earlier in the week. And I'm, I'm just going to read it because it was really interesting, just a little bit of context and background as to why David is really in a bit of a pinch at this point in, in, uh, in his writing. Um, so as I said earlier, uh, this psalm is a, res- a response prayer written by David uh, as a result of his son Absalom betraying and trying to kill him. Uh, we first meet Absalom in 2 Samuel chapter 13, and we're introduced to him right after Nathan delivers the Lord's response to David um, about the situation that he uh, had with Bathsheba. If you remember, um, David had Bathsheba's uh, husband basically executed by putting him at the front lines in the military so that he could take Bathsheba for himself, which is not a good thing to do. And, and Nathan delivers uh, the Lord's response to this, and it is straight after this that we get introduced to Absalom, one of his sons. Um, but in this passage, we see David with absolutely nothing. He has absolutely nothing left. Um, someone within his own household would rise against him. His own son has betrayed him and seeks to destroy him. These events are described in 2 Samuel chapter 15 and 16. David's life has completely fallen apart all around him. Many of his, be- his people have abandoned him. One of his sons was murdered. A daughter of, of his was raped by another one of his sons. And, and the murderer was now after his own father's life in addition to his kingdom. What do you do when life falls apart? What do you do when life falls apart? And life falling apart is not something that is simply restricted to people with crazy stories in the Bible, okay? We have this story of David who has tens of thousands of people against him. You know, that's not something that you and I necessarily are going to experience, I hope. Um, You know, but that doesn't necessarily mean that our lives are easy or happy going all the time. I mean, I work with middle schoolers and high schoolers all day, every day, um, pretty much, and it's it's a lot of fun. and I'm just back from a week of high school camp at Howells Mill, so if I seem exhausted, I am, uh, and it was fantastic. But there's a lot in, in those weeks, uh, same at Empower and, and camp, kids get tired and, and they start to really open up about the things that are going on. And some of the stories that we hear uh, as leaders that the kids are going through are absolutely heart-wrenching. Absolutely heart-wrenching. And a lot of the time, especially in middle school, the, the backstabbing that goes on in middle school, I mean, and in high school, and to be honest, as adults as well. But we, we experience this all the time where we get, back, we get stabbed in the back by our friends. We, we're betrayed, we're put down, and we feel like we've lost an entire friend group. Our, our entire support network can sometimes fall apart. What do we do when life falls apart? Maybe you're at the next stage of life beyond me and you have some kids and you're, and you're raising them, you're pouring into their lives, you're giving them everything that you have, you're investing in them, you're loving them, you're teaching them everything about Jesus because you love Jesus radically and you want to teach them about him. Uh, and maybe they end up resenting you, and worse, maybe they end up resenting Christ. What do we do when life falls apart? Because that's not a fun experience. That's not somewhere any one of us wants to be. But life often does fall apart. Maybe you're married and, and you're going through your married life and you think everything's going great, you know, everything's good, you're, you're happy, you're excited, you're loving your life, you're loving your wife and your family and everything's going great and out of nowhere um, your spouse turns around and, and is having an affair and wants a divorce immediately and, and, and family splits. What do we do when life falls apart and, and what framework do we have to support ourselves whenever those around us fall away? Uh, our family, our friends. Um, we can have the best friends in the world, the best families in the world, but they're not immune 
um, to the enemy, striking at the core and tearing them apart. And I know in my life, I, I, uh, to be honest, I've probably had a relatively easy life. You know, I, my parents are absolutely fantastic. I, abs- I love my parents to bits. They raised me really well. Uh, even when I was an absolutely terrible teenager, um, they stuck with me the entire time and really poured into me. And I would not be here today without them. Um, you know, we always had everything that we needed. We had a roof over our heads. We didn't have abundance all the time, but we always had enough. Um, I went to a good school. Um, through my own fault, I dropped out. But then, I, you know, through God's grace, I got into college and I got a degree. And, you know, I got a job and I've, I've always had jobs. And we, we, I've been married. I was able to immigrate here without too many problems. And, and it was stressful and difficult, but we got here. Things are okay. But there have been times in my life that I've shared here before that have been incredibly difficult. But I know to me, that's an average Tuesday for some people in this room. I know that there's people here who face these daily battles just continuously one after the other. And, and I know that some of us um, have difficulties that we face frequently. Others have difficulties that we face all the time. But what do we do when life falls apart? Uh, I'm going to spend a, couple, a few minutes here just diving into this passage, uh, Psalms chapter 3. And I'm going to take it in little chunks, okay? We're going to kind of break it up. Uh, and it's, from my reading through this, it's sort of in three or four sections. We're going to focus on three primary sections of what we can really learn um, from this passage from David as he, as he uh, writes this. So first of all, um, let's look at Psalm chapter 3, verses 1 and 2. Verses 1 and 2. Lord, how many are my foes? How many rise up against me? Many are saying of me, God will not deliver him. Not a joyful start to the passage, <laughs> not a great place to, to sort of stop there, um, but the, the fact of the matter is, and this is my, my first point for any of you note-takers, is that life will be hard. Life will be hard. The Bible promises you life will be hard, and, and there's no escaping that fact, you know. Um, each of us are going to have to face difficulties and trials of many kinds. And if you don't believe me, I'm going to read. I've got literally like so many Bible verses here that are connected to it. I'll read as many as I can. Second uh, Timothy chapter 2, verses 11 through 13. Here is a trustworthy saying. If we, if we died with him, we also live with him. If we endure, endure suffering, uh, we will also reign with him. If we disown him, he'll also disown us. If we are faithless, he remains faithful, for he cannot disown himself. 1 Peter 3, 13 to 14, who is going to harm you if you are eager to do good? But even if you should suffer for what is right, you are blessed. Do not fear their threats. Do not be frightened. 2 Corinthians 1, 7, and our hope for you is firm because we know that just as you share in our sufferings, so you also share in our comfort. Uh, Hebrews chapter 11, verse 25, talking about Moses, uh, he chose to be mistreated along with the people of God rather than enjoy the fleeting pressures of sin or the fleeting pleasures of sin, I might say. I mean, what a powerful verse. He chose to be mistreated along with the people of God rather than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. I wish I could do that all the time. 1 Peter 4, 16, However, if you suffer as a Christian, do not be ashamed, but praise God that you may bear that name. James chapter 1, verses 2 and 3, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Now, in that passage, it doesn't say if you face trials of many kinds. It says when you face trials of many kinds. And finally, Matthew chapter 16, 24 and 25, uh, then Jesus said to his disciples, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. 
For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will save it. Suffering is inevitable. It's one of the promises in the Bible that's not fun. <laughs> you know, it'd be nice, I wish I could stand up here and tell you that if you just had better faith, if you just prayed harder, everything will be great. Uh, and there are preachers who say that, and they're lying, because it's not biblical. Um, but the question is, what do we do when our life falls apart? And, and that's, that's one of my favorite things about that first couple of verses in the book of James, is consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, when you face trials of many kinds. Because it Ultimately, whenever we do face difficulties, when life does fall apart, it's because God knows what is best for us, and He allows things to happen in our lives. And sometimes we don't understand why until we look back on it many years later. Sometimes we never understand why. But the fact of the matter is we have a good God uh, who always has our back and is always doing what is best for us. And here's the good news. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 15, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. See, we face trials over and over again. We, we, get, we might be persecuted. You never know down the line in this country it might be illegal to be a Christian. We don't know what's going to happen. Nobody knows the future. In many parts of the world, that is still the case. Um, nothing is for certain. We, we, don't, we don't know what happens whenever the world falls apart. We don't know what our future holds, but what I can tell you is that God is good, and it is good to serve him even in the difficult times, and according to James, especially in the difficult times. And we have a God who has been there, right? Jesus was backstabbed from his friends. He was stabbed in the back from one of his disciples who sold him basically to death. Jesus' brothers, and, um, James and Jude, both thought that he was crazy his entire life, and he did not have the support of his family and his brothers. He was tortured, suffered, and crucified, uh, and, and experienced pain and suffering more than any of you and I could ever imagine. Uh, you know, we, we like to talk a lot about the physical suffering of Jesus, um, but you know that feeling whenever you just mess up and, and the Holy Spirit just like punches you in the gut? <laughs> I, I experienced that a lot. And, and he's just like, that, that guilt and that feeling of just recognizing how heavy sin is. Whenever the Bible tells us that, that Jesus took on all the sin of the world, imagine all of the sin forever, past, present, and future, all that weight, all of that feeling poured onto one man, onto one conscience, right? God's conscience, but it's a big one, and the weight of that would be absolutely torturous. He's been through what you've been through. He can empathize, and he loves you, uh, even when times are most difficult, and especially whenever it feels like he's not there. Okay, we're going to move on, because, um, I mean, that's kind of miserable. I, life is hard. That's, that's the fact of the matter. Life will be hard. Um, but the second point um, is that prayer is powerful. Prayer is powerful. Let's look at uh, verses 3 through 6 in, in Psalm chapter 3. But you, Lord, are a shield around me, my glory, the one who lifts my head high. I call out to the Lord, and he answers me from his holy mountain. I lie down and sleep. I, I wake again, because the Lord sustains me. I will not fear, though tens of thousands assail me on every side. Now, I don't know about you, but when life gets really miserable and difficult for me, I kind of forget about God, oftentimes, because I, I, uh, we're, we're comfortable here. We have things that we need, and oftentimes my first port of call is not God. For example, if I get sick, um, you know, if, if I start to feel ill, you, well, especially here, one of the first ports of call is I text Abby, and I'm just like, hey, what should I do? Um, you know, and, but that's, that's the first thing. Maybe next I go, you know, uh, you know go, go to my doctor, and then I get... I get 
seen there. And if that doesn't give me the answer that I need, or, if, or maybe I get referred on and nothing is fixed, I then go to a specialist. Maybe do that. And then things just get worse and worse. And maybe, you know, I'll go to the ER when I'm, if I'm really sick and I need some help and all this kind of things. And we continue to go down the list until we get to prayer. You know, we'll, we'll maybe text people and say, hey, pray for me. Not feeling good. But if you've ever been to, to a third world country or to a place where people have absolutely nothing, when people start to get ill, the very first thing they do is turn to God as a, as a family of believers. They gather together, they pray over one another, and they just radically love one another and, and proclaim Jesus over each other because first and foremost, they know that their number one reliance is on God. We have money, we have health insurance, we have all the kind of stuff that we need, we have roofs over our heads. So we rely on those things first before we go to God. And, well, I'm saying that for, for me, myself. Um, but that's what I absolutely love about David, right? David is a complete and total screw-up, okay? Absolutely, throughout the Bible. Like, he's, he's just messed up. He's done so many wrong things. But in the Bible, he is referred to as a man after God's own heart. Uh, have you heard that before, that David was a man after God's own heart? And if, if there is ever anything that I wish in my life that I could be called, it would be a man after God's own heart. And the, the reason I firmly believe that David is called a man after God's own heart is because whenever he messes up, even though he is a, a complete screw-up, he radically chased God in everything that he faced. Whether he was doing great or doing terribly, he praised God, and he sought favor, and he, and he sought God's help in everything that he did. I'm guilty of not doing that. Like I was just saying, most of the time I try and rely on my own stuff and I turn to God closer to the end. Um, I want to be known as a man after God's own heart. I want to radically chase after Jesus more than anything else on this world. That's what I want to be known as. Uh, and, and in this passage, we, we get this idea of, uh, of our God being one who comforts, right? You know, we see that uh, in verse 5, I lie down and I sleep and I wake again because the Lord sustains me. Now, if I had tens of thousands of people against me, my son trying to kill me and take my throne and loads of things going on, I don't think I'd sleep very well, uh, personally. <laughs> you know, the stress would kind of come over. I didn't sleep well last night because of this. So, you know, if, 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 I, if I was having tens of thousands of people against me, uh, I don't think I'd be sleeping well. But David knew that he has a God on, on his side who will sustain him and wake him. Um, I lie down and sleep. I wake again because the Lord sustains me. And often in the New Testament, we hear this phrase, the comforter. Have we heard this before, that we have the Holy Spirit that came as a comforter? Um, or uh, it's got many, many titles, um, uh, an advisor or a helper. Um, that's often the word that we use for the Holy Spirit. And can I just say, this is completely off topic, but we're so blessed to live in a time uh, after Jesus in that we have the Holy Spirit abundantly. Old Testament didn't work like that. Uh, and I just want to say that it's, it's amazing that we are here today having the Holy Spirit be able to be in us at all times whenever we need Him. Um, anyway, uh, we have this phrase, the comforter, okay? And we get this word from the Greek, the Greek word paraclete. We heard this before, we've mentioned it a couple of times up here, uh, the Greek word paraclete, which translates lots of different ways. Um, but it was translated at one point into Latin. This is, this is my Bible nerd stuff, okay, which I, I find fun. But it was translated into Latin, uh, and it was, it was translated into two words, uh, calm and fortis. Okay, uh, calm often referring to uh, to be with, okay, to be together with uh, and to support. Uh, and fortis meaning to strengthen, and that's where we get the term comforter. So when we talk about the Holy Spirit being a comforter in our lives, that means that he is with us, 
but it's not just that, okay? When, we think of, when I think of a comforter, I think of someone who is there, gives me a hug when I need it, and, and it just sits with me when I'm crying. That's what I think of when I think of a comforter. But biblically, if we look at the words, especially with this Latin stuff, um, yes, calm means to be with, he will be with us, but fortis means to strengthen. We have a comforter, uh, David had a comforter in, in God, and what that meant was not just that he had someone there with him, but he had someone to strengthen him, build him up, and, and inspire him to keep going. And, and whenever we talk about the Holy Spirit, whenever you see the Holy Spirit in the New Testament, you see the word comforter, that doesn't just mean a cuddle buddy, it means someone who will bold, bolden you, strengthen you, inspire you onwards, and lift you up, and spur you on to continue to talk about Jesus when everything is falling apart. Please never forget, we have an amazing, powerful, and righteous God fighting on our side. More importantly, we're on His side. Let's put that first. More importantly, we are on His side, and He is fighting for our good. You are not alone. You're never alone. Thirdly, let's look at um, our third point. So firstly, we had um, life is going to be difficult. Life is hard. Secondly, prayer is powerful. Pray. Do pray. It makes a big difference. Don't leave that till the end. Start with prayer. Go to God first because He is our number one source of strength and, and help. And thirdly, uh, looking at verses 7 and 8, justice is the Lord's. Justice is God's. Verses 7 and 8. Arise, Lord, deliver me, my God. Strike all my enemies on the jaw. Break the teeth of the wicked. From the Lord comes deliverance. May your blessing be on your people. Justice is the Lord's. I want to remind you, um, we're going through the book of Ephesians normally throughout the year, and eventually towards the end of the year, we're going to get to Ephesians chapter 6, but it has a a verse in it that we need to remember, and that is that our battle is not against flesh and blood. Our battle is not against flesh and blood, okay? For everybody here, our battle is not against flesh and blood, it's against spiritual forces and powers of evil that are trying to destroy this planet. Now, those evil spiritual forces use flesh and blood right? They are going to work through other people to try and tear everything else apart. But our battle is not against flesh and blood. Justice, uh, and eternal justice, and, and salvation, is not for us to decide. Justice is the Lord's, and what we're supposed to do is carry out the Great Commission. And we talked about that a lot this last week at, at Howell's Mill Camp. We actually have a job to do, right? Christians, you know, our primary goal is to, is to radically love and worship Jesus. Number one, we are to be in Christ. We talk about this all the time. We are to be in Christ. Number one, we love God and we dedicate our lives to Him, but we also actually have a job to do while we're here, and that's to go into all the world and make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We have a job to do. You know, we're not just supposed to sit here on a Sunday morning and worship Him. It doesn't stop there. In fact, the purpose of Sunday mornings isn't to be a Christian, right? Sunday mornings is so that you guys can, can be here as a community. We can worship God together. We can inspire each other. The Bible talks about singing hymns over one another and building everybody else up so that whenever we go into our week of work, we are built up, we're excited, we're ready to go, we're ready to fight for Jesus, and we're just going in there to talk to everybody that we can find about our wonderful Lord and Savior. That's the purpose of church. This, this isn't just a gathering where you get to hear me ramble a pile of stuff. Let's sing songs over one another. We're gonna, I think we're singing the doxology later, right? We're going to be able to sing that to God and over one another to inspire each other, to build each other up, to go out and share the gospel radically with everybody around us. Um, 
we talk about this all the time, we're going to share the gospel indiscriminately with everybody we can find. So Ephesians 6, our battle is not against flesh and blood. Uh, and in closing, uh, in the la last few minutes here, I'm going to turn your attention to uh, Romans chapter 12, verses 19 to 21. Do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath. For it is written, it is mine to avenge. I will repay, says the Lord. On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not overcome evil, or do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. See, we're so quick to jump into this phrase of, well, an eye for an eye, you know. We're so quick, well, they hurt me, so they deserve God's wrath. I mean, if you say it like that, that's kind of strange. But, um, you know, like we, we're so quick to just denounce people and, and put other people down because they hurt us. But again, like we've said, it's inevitable that we are going to be hurt. Life is hard. And the harder thing still is that we're called to radically love our enemies and the people who are against us. For our fight is not against flesh and blood. It is against the spiritual forces. So do not overcome evil with evil, but overcome it with good overcome it with good. You see, justice is the Lord's, okay? We, he is a good God. He will have His justice in the end. He will have justice in the end. God despises the wicked. It's true. We, we see it in the book of Psalms. I think it's in uh, chapter 5 or 6, and we see that God does despise the wicked. He hates evil. He really hates evil. It, it's so counter to everything that He is. So, there will come a time whenever those who are anti-God will have to pay the price. And that's not something we should be excited about, that it should be something that we should be working daily, radically, to ensure that there are less people in that category than there were the day before. Because we have a job to do. We have a great commission. We are to go into all the world and to tell people about Jesus because we love Him radically. And, and it's really difficult to put Him first, like, like we've said before. Um, we put every, we have stuff, right? Uh, my thing, I love cameras, right? Uh, it's kind of a strange thing. I, I love cameras and, and filming like weddings and, and stories and films and all that kind of stuff. That's my passion. And I probably spend way too much money on cameras and not enough money taking people who need it out for dinner. Uh, and trust me when I say that that is going to have more of an impact on the kingdom than me having a nice camera. If I can sit down and have a wonderful conversation about Jesus. Um, and when, whenever we do share about Jesus, whenever we realize that justice is the Lord's, I don't need to worry about that. My battle is not against flesh and blood. I'm going to share the gospel indiscriminately. One thing that's really important that I, I beg you to recognize is that the gospel means good news. That's what the word gospel means. The gospel is good news. And I was saying this at camp uh, early this week. The gospel is good news, but the problem is a lot of the time when we're talking about Christ, it doesn't sound like good news. <laughs> Do we recognize that? I mean, the stuff that we say is true. Like, it is very true that there is, there is going to be a time where wrath will come. God's wrath will come. That is very true. It is very true that people need to repent from their sins. That is completely true. But if we're not framing the conversation to be good, if all we're talking about is turn or burn type of conversation, it doesn't sound like good news. The good news is that there is a God who is incredibly powerful, who hates evil with a passion, 
but radically loves you despite your mess-ups, and he came and died for you, and it's so incredible, and he just wants to love you more, so just accept him and be with him and, and be part of this wonderful story. So whenever we share the gospel indiscriminately, whenever we realize that our battle is not against flesh and blood and we, and we tell people about Jesus everywhere that we go, make sure that we're telling them good news and that we don't just beat people down more and more because we can be so guilty of that. I'm going to invite the worship team up here um, as we close. Um, so in closing, I just want to remind you, pr- uh, pursue God in everything. Like David, uh, he is a man after God's own heart, despite the fact that he is a total screw-up. That's what I want to be, and I hope you want to be the same, a man or woman after God's own heart, because you just want to chase after God in everything that you do. So pursue God, because He is so good, and He is worthy of all of your praise and all of your glory. And even when life falls apart, uh, He is always there. He always has your good in mind, even when we don't see it. Life will be hard, but the, the most important thing is that life is hard, because we have an enemy, and life can be wonderful and good because we have a good God. And even when things are difficult, consider it pure joy because we have a God fighting for us and doing everything for our good.